0: Have
1: you thought this through? No way will that
0: work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll like, never make any money
1: doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try and sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. <laughs> For your parents' arms, too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations. That really turned out well. You know, I wish
0: I thought of that. Uh, I never thought of How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here
1: your chair. I wish I had the courage to call my train. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. We're broadcasting on WLCB 101.5 FM, which is our radio station based in the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. I'm your host, Doris Nagel. And I'm really happy that you've joined me to listen in. What's a savvy entrepreneur about anyway? Each week, I host guests from all facets of business and entrepreneurship. What I hope to do with the show is inspire entrepreneurs just like you with stories of other business people, as well as sharing tips and insights and common mistakes that people have made so that hopefully... You won't make some of the same mistakes that I've made. I've counseled lots of startups and small businesses as part of my law and consulting practice over the past 30 years. So I've seen a lot of mistakes, but I've also started or helped start at least nine different businesses. And I have made a lot of mistakes, even though I've seen ones that my clients have made. I've still made them. So I think that's part of the journey. I welcome your comments, your questions, your suggestions, you'd like to be a guest, you have a, a challenge that you're dealing with, you found a resource that's great, or you just want to shoot the breeze, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at dnagel n a g E L at lakesradio.org. So now without further ado, I promised you a guest and joining me by phone today is Chris Brown. He's the owner and founder of of a company called Slade's Corner Computer Repair. He's owned this business since May of 2011. Like a lot of us small business people, he started out small in one bedroom in his house. And in 2015, as the business grew, he moved to the garage office. And then in 2018, he moved into a retail store location. He's been in the computer industry since 1995, In 2018, he added TV antenna service to his product offering. His customers are homeowners, small business people like you and me, doing repairs and installs. He and his wife, Carolyn, have been married since 2017. They have two kids who are living with them. He grew up in the Powers Lake area. Chris, I don't know, is that Wisconsin or Illinois? I'm showing my ignorance here.
0: It is Wisconsin. It's basically about, I moved a whole four miles from where I'm at.
1: And as he tells me, his family on his mom's side is fifth generation in the area. So they've seen a lot of changes that have come to that area, which has grown to be frankly, more and more bedroom community for the greater Chicago-Milwaukee area. Mm -hmm. He's the the chairman of the Twin Lakes Area Chamber and Business Association, a member of the Board of Adjustments in Kenosha County, founder and board member of the the Con of Lakes Charity Gaming Convention, and on the board of WLCV, the radio station you might be listening on either live or via streaming. And I also know that, like me, he enjoys radio broadcasting and also hosts a show on the station, which I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about as well. So, with that introduction, Chris, welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. Thanks well, so much for being with us today.
0: Thank you for having me today.
1: You know, I I wish I'd known you were in computer repair. I probably would have <laughs> I probably would have called you.
0: That's um,
1: <laughs> You know, every entrepreneur, I think, is good at certain things and not other things. And um, I'm I'm very candidly really bad with computer and technology. It's one of the most frustrating parts of my business. And the times in my business when I was able to afford to outsource it, I was a very happy camper. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad to know you're out there. Talk a little bit about your business. What do you do exactly? And How'd you get into this business?
0: Well, I was given a chance by my dad when I was in high school. He said, You either need to go to work, join the military, or go to college. And senior year of high school, we had a token ring network and a couple of my friends started playing the video game Doom during class. They were (laughs) they were uh yeah, they were troublemakers, but so I got I love into how it. You
1: say, I love how you say they, although you, you admitted that you and your friends were doing it. So. I,
0: I ended up playing. They were the ones who set it up. They knew, all the, they knew all the programming. I had no clue. And I'm like, well, this computer stuff seems pretty interesting. So I went to Gateway Technical College in Elkhorn, Wisconsin here, and ended up working for a company. One of my friends at the grocery store I worked at said there's this company in Burlington that is looking for wire runners. And so I got hired.
1: That sounds uh, dodgy, my, wire runners. It's not like drug well, running, I
0: take <laughs> it. No, we, we ran wire Cat 5 as these schools were all getting wiring in their house.
1: Ah. We, or their,
0: their place. We ran six miles of in one school up in Waukesha. Six miles of Cat 5 in one school. And mm. so they found out I was going to school for computers, and so when the wiring project slowed down, they put me on the bench, and I ended up working there for 14 years. It was pretty much, most of the time, it was the owner who would do security systems and telephones, me doing computers, and his wife that would do all the scheduling and booking and all that. So it was a very small company. Every once in a while, we had someone working for a couple of years off and on, but it was we were the core for 14 years. We had some personal issues. I was married to their daughter, and we're no longer married anymore. So (laughs) I decided, yeah, I decided to say I'm going to head out on my own, you know, and that's when I started my own business and started out here. I wanted to hit the southern Kenosha County area because there wasn't much in the area, but ended up working all over southeast Wisconsin, a lot of places in Illinois I traveled to because It's Right at the border, right. Yeah, our our slogan is in the center to serve you better because Slade's Corners, while we have 12 houses in our whole town, um, (laughs) we are 10 minutes from Lake Geneva. We're 20 minutes from Kenosha. We're easy to get everywhere. It was a really good place to start a business. And I didn't really think of it that time, but I got into it. I had to hit the ground running because of some bumps that happened. And started working, like I say, out of my house. One room in my house, then did the second. And people would bring in stuff right into my living room. And uh, when I met my current wife, Caroline, she's like, is there a way we can get you guys out of the house? And uh, uh, yeah. so we knocked, we knocked down our old garage and I built a two-room office here. And that worked really well up until around 2018. There was a sharp increase of work and we had started doing TV antennas right in that time, and I needed more help. And a two-room office, I could have one person, but by the time I ended up having four of us in here, it wouldn't work. so we, three doors down, one of the commercial buildings had a small storefront, and so we moved into there and kept adding people, and combined with the TV antennas, we also do installs of new systems, transferring virus removal, The one guy who started working with us, he's like, you do a little bit of everything. And yeah, I've got a machine that I just worked on from 1997, right when I started. But he needed certain um, software for it for a CAD machine. So you fix a a small computer versus a $100,000 piece of equipment. So I got to be flexible on a little bit of everything. And yeah, you,
1: you know, it's it's interesting. I know just enough about technology to be dangerous, but one thing that always astounds me is today how broad when you talk about computer issues, that's a that covers a lot of territory. You know, everything from I got the blue screen of death on my computer, how do I save my files on my hard drive to How do I properly set up Office 365 so I'm really virtual to, I have a WordPress site and it keeps going down and, you know, I don't understand what's the problem. How do I back up my site? So, and and it's probably even broader than that, you know, there's encryption issues that some businesses deal with. So do you kind of focus on certain kinds of problems or... Not really.
0: We do a lot more hardware and then virus removal are the big things that we do. Setting up, maintaining. The one thing we don't do a lot of is website, web-related stuff. So, you know, like a WordPress site, we don't really mess with. We focus on the hardware, just keeping you up and running on that part. Because I said, even when I started in 1995, I liken it to the auto industry in the 50s you had an auto guy in the 50s 60s he could build your car from the tires to the fenders and do everything yeah now now your car guy is you have a muffler guy you have a transmission guy you have a it's very hard to find a all-in-one person computers have done the same thing back in 1995 i was learning programming i was doing all this but now programming has so many branches you have web programming game programming and now it's everything's kind of specialized and to be viable in a smaller market like this, I've got to be very flexible and with the changing market.
1: I gather you kind of enjoy the soup to nuts challenges. Is, that, is I, that fair?
0: I do. I've had a lot of people like, why don't you go work corporate? Why don't you try and do something, you know, running a data center or something like that? And I'm a social person, so I don't want to sit and do the same thing over and over again. Today, I was 30 feet up in the air on an antenna, replacing an antenna, and then I came back and I swapped out a motherboard for someone. Or I will be in an office. I've been in some really cool places. I've been in the basement of a funeral home doing wiring or replacing (laughs) a router. I like being able to go from place to place to place, see a bunch of different people. It's not the best way to make money. I'm nowhere near, you know, nowhere near making great money doing it, but it's. It is what I like.
1: You know what? It's interesting. There are people who tell you, oh, you've got to focus on scaling. To scale it, you've got to niche down, you know, if you. Yeah. And, you know, I think there are those of us who just love solving problems and helping people. And for those of us, the idea of niching down and doing something that's, you know, very repeatable and very like a cookie cutter process. Yeah, I get that's how you make a lot of money. But me personally, it sounds like you're wired up very similarly. I, I'd be bored out of my mind. I That just same sounds there. like no fun whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I'm that same way. I could, I need a little bit of variety. And where I, I aim for the business eventually, it took a little longer than planned because of like you talked about at the beginning, all the ups and downs and mistakes that are made. But I wanted to have it basically big enough where I could take a vacation and the business won't fall apart. So it's, you know, this four person thing works great for me. When we were, you know, before the pandemic, we were humming along very nicely. And that's where I wanted to be. And hopefully, right after this, we should be able to bounce back pretty well.
1: Well, my guess is that like a lot of businesses, there'll be uh especially with people continuing to work from home for a long time I would think you're gonna have no shortage of customers because I'm not sure what some of these people do working from home when they don't have a computer guy to help you I mean I guess the good thing is is you probably can do some of the work can you remote in to do some of the work
0: yeah, I do actually one of my bigger clients is a senior living place in Lake Geneva. And whenever they have an issue because I can't go in right now, I've got remote software that we go in and I can do quite a lot of work. It's not the perfect solution for everything. I am one who before all this tried to avoid it if possible because sometimes being in person will actually tell you more than what you could do remotely, but You know, you adapt and overcome. That's what you have
1: to do. Yeah. So are most of your customers regular repeat business or kind of a mix of new customers and regular customers? I would say a mix.
0: I've got a core set of good businesses that will always come to me and, and home customers. I do have home customers I have known for 20 plus years. They followed me from my old job to my new. So I've got I've got a core but I also try and grow and keep working just because you never know.
1: Well so how do you find most of your new customers? I mean what kind of marketing have you found to be most successful? So to be
0: I was one of the last people in phone books because <laughs> before everybody had a cell phone or something else there was a good long time if your technology didn't work and you had to look up something you were still in the phone book. So I stayed in there, and that that actually did fairly well for me for a while. I was surprised. Uh, So I stayed in probably a little longer than I should have, but our biggest thing, because we end up walking into a lot of people's work or businesses, is I do a lot of hands-on sort of marketing. We do about three home shows a year, and then I have a booth out at the Kenosha County Fair every year, and that's a five-day run, and we introduce ourselves and – People come from the area here, and it's a good good regional area, and we draw, I'll pull a good 20 extra customers off that.
1: Wow, that's and, a great idea.
0: But the key is, so I've been out there, and then after a while, a couple other, people, other businesses in the area tried putting it out there, but you have to talk with people. You have to engage them. A lot of them just sat there on their laptop or phone, and they had flyers out. You need to stand there and say, hello. And then if they ask you a question, it's one of those you have to engage. And stereotypically, our industry is not a very social industry.
1: (laughs) That's, uh, I think, a very diplomatic way to put it. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. There's a reason it's a stereotype. So we engage. I'm in the Burlington Chamber of Commerce and I'm in the Twin Lakes Chamber of Commerce. As you mentioned before, I hold a board position there. And then a large chunk of it is word of mouth. I yeah. I get a lot of word of mouth. I'd probably say at least half of my marketing is word of mouth that I don't have to do anything with, which is great.
1: Well, so, that means you're doing right by your customers. Because exactly. uh, those kind of, those customers that can refer you to other people are absolutely gold, right?
0: Yep. Exactly. And we have a website and we have a Google presence and stuff like that because a lot of people just Google computer repair and we show up on the list. So we get a lot of that. So try and spread our way out. And we also got on Home Advisors. That's actually what started the antenna thing. The Home Advisors really did help the business, even if it wasn't a big cost, but it actually did bring a lot of business in.
1: Talk a little bit more about Home Advisors. I I don't know if all of our listeners know what it is and how it works.
0: Home Advisor is a website and app that, let's say you're looking for someone to do flooring. So you go to Home Advisors, you say, I'm looking for flooring, and they ask you some questions about your project, and then it's a lead generator. So on your end, you'll get three pros. Now on the business end of it, we get charged every lead that comes in, even if someone screws up and says they're not in the area or it's not what they're looking for. So you have to work to keep your credits and everything going because it does get pricey. And then we get a message saying Joe F. in Waterford is looking for an antenna and we have to call them. You have to chase the leads on it and they will match. If there's three or four, you have to you have to jump on it. You know, in the antenna, there isn't as many businesses, but they're starting to grow again because it's getting popular.
1: You know, yeah. I'm 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 interested to learn a little more about that. I guess naively, I thought in today's era of sixfinity and people with dishes on their house that the antenna business is pretty much defunct, but but not. It's,
0: It was something I did not expect. So I got on Home Advisors, we saw an ad, and my wife goes, have you thought about being on Home Advisors? Strangely enough, the next day, Home Advisors cold called me, and so we set it up and we said, well, what do you do? I said, computer repair. And i have just done two antennas, and I said, well, I do antennas, and that blew up. I started in August, and by November, when we shut it off due to the weather because we don't do it, I had garnered. 80 leads, and at least 40 of them have taken as jobs.
1: How does that work, though? I, it, are there that many people that still have TV antennas out uh,
0: there? it is It has actually changed. So in 2018, the estimated numbers of households in the U.S. that cut the cord, cut both dish or cable, you know, for television service, was 600,000 households. The estimated... Oh, wow. The, Estimated number by the end of 2019 was 3.5 million.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: They are dropping like mad. A, because of cost. The cost of internet and TV has gone up. Availability, they're losing channels or they're charging more for premium channels. And a lot of dish people don't like it because when it rains, it cuts out. And so there's a lot of sports blackout. In the area here, I get a lot of people who uh, live in Wisconsin in our Chicago fans or live in Illinois in our Milwaukee fans. And they're both a region that we can pick up because you're, you know, they have the certain blackout rules over the antenna that if you can hit Chicago, you can do that. And the, the quality of channels have gone up. They've added each market around here has 30 to 40 channels. So I did an install in Twin Lakes right at the state line and we pulled in a hundred channels between Chicago and Milwaukee wow and, and it's hd you don't have to pay extra for hd so i always tell people whatever it's recorded in you will see it in and then it's usually a one-time install of anywhere between 300 to 700 dollars, and then that's it you don't have to pay for anything so there's there's a lot more flexibility there's dvrs now that you can record all your shows Amazon has a box where you could actually record and then stream your shows anywhere on the internet that you watch so like I have people who travel and they're like well I want to watch channel 7 news out of Chicago so they just log into their firebox and watch it from anywhere they're at and being that it's digital you get the subtitles you get a guide like you would on you know your regular cable too so there's a lot of a lot of people now have been finding this and this cord cutting is huge it's it was a complete thing I blundered upon and with my wire running history and my dad was a carpenter, so I know construction pretty well. And it's just been a huge boom. (laughs) I've always said this business does very well in a recession, Uh, the computer repair business end of things. And the antenna will be the same thing where people can't afford it. And combined with streaming, you know, they'll, a lot of them stream their antenna or use their antenna for local stuff and stream everything else, uh-huh. like in, like Amazon and stuff. So, yeah, and
1: Hulu, I think, and yeah,
0: Hulu like, and even YouTube, YouTube, I think. Yeah, has YouTube, a And it's been that way. And like I say, so a lot of people, I think that's why I'm not too worried coming out of the recession. I think we're going to be as a business pretty well because... Statistically, we've always done very well in a recession.
1: You you mentioned, I think, before the show that you had four employees, but you you've had to do a little bit of cutting back, at least temporarily. Talk about some of the challenges that this pandemic has presented for you and how you see that maybe evolving to actually even being successful in the in the coming downturn.
0: Yeah, we did have to throttle back. My office lady, I had to let her go, but I'm back in the office a lot more because I have an immune deficiency, so I don't travel as much, as minimal as possible, and I have a technician who goes out two days for most of the stuff unless it's an emergency, and I'll still go. And we had another guy who would stay in office and do in-office work and a lot of our recycling, because we'd taken a lot of recycling for computers. And so we've throttled back, and that's due to not wanting to go into people's houses, some people not wanting us there. I've got probably four to $5,000 of projects on hold, but they're going to go with it afterwards. So We've been doing a lot more remote. I can remote into a lot of stuff, but it's enough to keep the doors open, the lights on. As I said to people, I started in one bedroom. I can go back to it if I need to, but we're still gonna be pretty good. Coming out of it, the, the antennas, there'll be a lot of cost where they're gonna spend three, four, $500, where they're already spending $100 on TV, and they're gonna save more in the end. And with computers,
1: people probably just like their car, they might invest a little more in trying to make it uh, limp along as long as they can rather than buy a new one.
0: Exactly. They tend to repair instead of replace. And that's where we're going to do a lot more. So businesses may not have the money to invest in it, but the home market will probably aim to repair more. So we we should be Fairly good. You know, I don't feel want to say I'm taking advantage of it, but our business does have an uptick in there.
1: You know, there's a lot of competition in your corner of the market because there's a lot of folks out there that do something related to computer repair. I mean, you know, everybody sees, at least around here, all these Geek Squad cars that the Best Buy people send out there. So, how do you compete with those guys?
0: So Geek Squad is probably the biggest guy out there. Around here, we have a Milwaukee PC, which is also that. But at my old job, I saw in the 14 years I was there, I saw at least in just the town of Burlington, I saw nine businesses come and go that were the same IT businesses. You have to have some sort of secondary income because the market goes up and down and you have to be flexible. A lot of the people were lost when dial-up went away. They made money off of being dial-up providers. And then a lot of people did cell phone sales when you could use to sell your own cell phones. So A, being adaptable. B, being affordable. The Geek Squad is usually a minimum $100 to $135 call to walk into the door. I'm $80 an hour and I can knock out a lot. Usually the Geek Squad will charge you per thing that you need done. So that 135 counts this, but if you need to load a virus, it's another 15. It's another, you know, they'll they'll piece it out sometimes. Plus they will severely try and sell you, they're gonna try and upsell you. Me, I will get it to work. I will tell you it's not the best, but you're going to just do Google or look up stuff online. You don't need to drop another $600. Maybe in two years, yes but you don't need to right now.
1: So are the Geekswood guys, it almost sounds like they're incented to sell product. Well, that that is
0: because they are integrated with Best Buy. They are their own company and they rent from Best Buy and they pay for all the marketing. They've got a huge overhead. So that's why their costs are so high. And they will farm out a lot of stuff and ship it to their central regional area to actually repair it. So- Mm -hmm if they can't fix it in back, they will ship it out. And then, so you're out a week or two with computer. And sometimes that's not very, you know, very uh, usable. Try well, right,
1: air. I mean, some of you us know. solopreneurs, I mean, I like myself, I don't know what I would do without a mm-hmm. computer for two weeks. I would, I'd be dead in the water.
0: And I have stuff where I have to wait for parts from China and stuff like that where it is, but. That's not my typical MO. If I can get it in and out, most of my turnaround is a day or two, maybe three, which is fairly decent. And I'm not perfect. I've got stuff that's taking longer. But I also know the person. You know, I'll tell everybody, I said, oh, okay, they just had their computer and they're like, how do you remember this? And it's just the way I am. I I take a personal approach to it. And that's one of the big differences. A lot of them don't like the Geek Squad because you never know who you're getting. And you'll always get me, Steve, or Shane. It's one of the three people. So that's the big plus. It's a lot more personal. And they are my biggest competition. Around here, in the area here, there is two other computer businesses. And one of the big boons for me is lately is those two have stopped doing any residential work. They only do commercial work. So a lot of people are moving out of the residential. We're steering into the residential because yeah. it's not a lot of money, but if we got the quantity, we can do it. Yeah. We don't, you know, we're, businesses are great because you can charge a monthly service fee. And, you know, even if they, you don't see them for six months, you're still making money off of them. You know, I don't, I don't like doing that, but it's what we got to do to compete with them. And it's what we do to stay alive. You know, I've, I've now started doing very basic websites for people because a lot of the website stuff, they're charging seven thousand dollars for a website. And I could set one up for you guys. It's two hundred, you know, two hundred dollars a year and it's just on like Squarespace or GoDaddy or something basic. They don't need email. They don't sell anything on it. They just need a presence where someone Googles them and they can look up their work and a couple of pictures. So we've started doing that. That you know, being being a little flexible for what people need. And that's what we can do. And there's a lot of you know, a lot of these Geek Squad people, they they will well, try. Well,
1: flexible they are not. For the no, they are part.
0: not. They're, they they follow a corporate script. Yeah. And sometimes you can't do that. They won't touch anything from before 2010. And I've got people who have specific needs.
1: So, Chris, when we come back, I need to uh, interrupt your chain of thought for just a second so we can take a break for station identification. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about. You're pivoting into websites, but also some of the challenges that you've faced along the way. So hang on to those thoughts and we'll be right back. This is Doris Nagel and you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're back with Chris Brown, our guest this week. He's the owner and founder of a company called Slade's Corner Computer Repair. And he's joined us to talk about how he started and built his business. Chris, before the break, I think we were talking really specifically about how you've pivoted, but I think that's a common theme from a lot of the guests on the show, which is that sometimes to continue to be successful, to kind of deal with some of the highs and the lows that you end up having to pivot a little bit. And, you know, I think before the break, you shared about how you pivoted into TV antenna installation and repair, and you started to talk about websites and how that's starting to become a business. I I can tell you very personally that it is really, really hard to find someone who is good, who can put together a very simple website. It's not hard to find somebody, as you alluded to before the break, who will charge you $7,000 and want to redo your branding and all sorts of other stuff and want to rope you into a monthly maintenance contract. But to find somebody who actually will do a bare bones website, really hard to find. And it sounds like you're hearing the same thing from your clients.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. And I heard it from myself because really as much as i do computer repair my online presence is someone coming to find me i don't need to interact you know as much online they're calling me or they're emailing me you know and that's really enough they just need contact information and that's quite common i did an appliance repair company and a lawn maintenance company here and it's the same thing they get a message how do i send an inquiry and Then what we do is I tell them how to do their Google business account and tie it to your Facebook or any other social media you have, because that's how you rise in the Google searches and online searches. I use Google, you know, we all use the word Google, so, but it's everything, Bing and everywhere. You need to have a presence and it needs the traffic and then you rise to the top. So when someone goes searching for you, you get the views and you get, you rise up there. And that's all someone needs to do and if I tell them make a Facebook post once a week, once every other week. So if someone clicks on it, they go to your web page, or have a click from from your web page to your Facebook page. That traffic in between in between will rise your what they call an SEO, your right. uh, search engine optimization. Yeah. And you know that that will all rise it, and it's simple stuff that you they can do themselves. And the one is a lawn company, and we set it up, and they tied everything up and. You know, within weeks they were getting messages off of it, and it was a very, very basic site. And I charged them; their hosting I think was two sixty eight a year, and I charged them like four hundred dollars because it only took me like five hours to set it up.
1: Unbelievable! I think I need to call. I think I
0: need to call you. You know, it's it's all these little pivoting things that you got to do to stay alive. It was one thing that my old where I used to work did not excel at, and I. Learn that out of necessity because I needed uh, I needed to eat I needed to keep the doors open so I'm like well yeah we'll give it a shot if you want us to do it and you know little things like that have panned out into what you got to do necessity is the mother of, of invention and it's the same sort of thing trying to stay alive
1: for sure that well you know you alluded to some of the bumps early on share what you're willing about some of those bumps and how you overcame those and how you you managed to 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 come out stronger
0: my biggest bump is something you alluded to at the very beginning was not knowing everything about the business being a small person trying to run everything there's a lot you know like insurance how much insurance do i need what do i need to do what do i need to file with the state what do i need to file with the taxes you know and if you're trying to do it yourself because you don't have the money for everything you can either get overwhelmed or screw, screw up. up, you know, yeah. and um, so right away, I kind of knew that was one of my weaknesses, and I found off of a referral from some other friends, a person who was doing bookwork. you know, they that, that was their supposed business, and it was basically a complete screw up. It was someone I put my trust in for the first year and a half of the business, and they probably leased almost $10,000 out of me for the first two years of a business working out of my house. That's oh a lot my. of money, <laughs> that's you know, a lot and, of money. and I started actually, when I got involved in the chamber, there was an accountant there and I started just, we started talking and I said, Oh, this is what I'm doing. He's like, what, you know? And so I started putting two and two together and I got him for my taxes and, you know, it made some changes there. And A lot of it is motivation. You know, there's times where you're just not motivated. And that's, I know my personal biggest downfall is sometimes I'm not motivated enough to want to do that or, you know, be able to do that. And that's, I was really glad to be able to answer an office person because I like the working and I like talking to people one-on-one. But when I have eight phone calls to do and nine machines on the bench, I'm not going to call the people back because I, you know, I, as much as I would like to, I've got stuff where people will be calling and saying, where's my, you know, where's my machine? Where's this? What's going on on top of those eight calls? So finding people you can trust, that's a big thing. And I mean, that's something I think everybody in business has had to deal with. And I've learned some lessons and, you know, I've taken some hits. I had a major medical issue is another reason why I know I need to need someone. I ended up being in the hospital for 18 days in the middle of 2017 and working alone on myself. I had almost died. My small intestine had ruptured due to Crohn's disease. And so I ended up being in the hospital with some major surgery and the doctor said I was less than a week away from death. So. But oh my. I walked I walked out of there from the hospital. They're telling me, you know, I, I abdominal surgery and they're telling me, take it easy. But I walked out of the door with like 20 bucks in the business account. You know, we we stayed alive and I'm like, I got to hit the ground running again. So I did what I could. And, you know, we've bounced back. And that's why my goal is to have someone where I can take time off to be sick or take a vacation. You know,
1: well, I think that's right. You know, a lot of running a business, at least in my experience, is really taking a hard look in the mirror and thinking about what you want out of the business, what you're willing to sacrifice, but also drawing boundaries. And you know, I don't I don't know if any of this resonates, but I you know, I'll I also say looking in the mirror and listing all the different kinds of tasks that need to be done and No kidding around. Which ones am I good at and really love doing? And which ones do I find myself keep putting off, or that I just don't feel like I have a very good grasp of? Then when you reach, you know, yet another level, you kind of have to look at what is the highest and best use of my time in the business. That I think that's one of the hardest ones too. Some of us just love seeing a smile on a customer's face, and you know that maybe that isn't the highest and best use of the time don't know you know i think it depends on your business and the people you have around you that can help you do some of those things or have some of the skills that maybe the founder isn't quite as good at or doesn't want to do
0: exactly and i i'm running into that with the antennas i just did this one today and I'm 43 years old, and I was 30 feet up in the air and just tired. <laughs> you know, I'm not exactly young, but I'm not exactly old either. And I'm, I'm sitting here. I've been trying to find an antenna technician because my love, first love is computers. And I, 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 I like being outside, and it helps keep me fit and healthy doing the antenna work. But my first love is computers. Right. And I've been trying to find an antenna technician. And before this pandemic, it was really hard, at least in the... Southeast Wisconsin, Northern Illinois section, employment was running really low, and I was having a hard time finding anyone wanting to do physical work.
1: That may be changing. I don't know. That may be
0: changing quite a lot. Again, I don't mean to take advantage of it, but in a way, to keep your business alive, you gotta you gotta grasp the lows when you can, and use them to your advantage. You gotta steer into it.
1: Yeah. So you alluded to finding good people. What do you look for when you're trying to find either a, a service partner or an employee? What, what what do you look for? What are the things that are most important to you? Um, Relatability, I guess, would be,
0: especially in this industry, there tends to be a large amount of people who like to talk down to people. It's a big, big issue. It's a lot of gatekeeping in the computer world. And I, I think it was a leftover from the eighties because all of a sudden the nerds had all the power and they got very egotistical on it. And so if someone with minimal computer skills came in, you know, they're like, oh old man, you don't understand this. Oh, you know that. And I need I need someone to feel comfortable because if they don't know or if they feel overwhelmed, they're not going to use that technology and it's not going to be useful for them because they're gonna come back to you because they trust you. Even if you teach them how to clean up certain things, you may not get as much business, but they're gonna come to you for the next setup. They're gonna come to you for this. And you need to not do gatekeeping or shame them in their computer use. And I think that's that's the key thing I'm looking for someone, understanding and tolerance. Yeah, it's-
1: I can see why that does set you apart from a lot of the businesses that I've dealt with out there, that's for sure. And that's,
0: I've heard so many horror stories from people, and I'm just
1: not that type of person, and
0: I don't want someone working for me who's like that. It's, it's a challenge, it's, but it's gotten better. My newest technician, he's 20 years old, and he is phenomenal. So I think it's gonna be something fading out with my generation here, the people in the 40s and 30s, because nowadays, everyone is using computers. And I tell people who feel bad, Or they feel like they're too old to do it or they, you know, they don't do it. My oldest customer, I have one 96-year-old and one 97-year-old. And they use their computer every day. The 96-year-old has an Amazon Kindle that they use, an iPhone and a tower that they use every day. And (laughs) so I say, I say it is possible. So I don't want someone to feel like this technology is insurmountable. And work in their comfort levels. My dad, before he passed away, he was a carpenter, hammer swinger. The only thing he did on his computer, he played poker. That's all he did. It's the only time you, you would ever see that man touch a computer, but I wouldn't shame him for it.
1: Well, hey, some of those online games are pretty addicting.
0: Yeah, and so that's the thing I want to look for someone who is responsive and whether it's a partner or even with customers. I have a customer who is—they're not tolerant on the issues at hand because some of this stuff does come from China, you know. So we ordered it, and it says it's going to be—especially now—it's going to be three to five days. I ordered a part last week, and it still isn't here. And there's stuff that gets lost, or I—Yeah, I I
1: know my toilet paper hasn't come from
0: China. (laughs) (laughs) I—I just recently had an issue. We needed a cable for someone, and. We couldn't tell the computer was bad unless we had this cable that they broke. So we got the new cable in, put it in, and it did turn out it took out the motherboard. So I contact them, and one of the two of the couple, they call and they just rip us a new one. And they're like, Well, you broke it. And so I had to sit down. You had to sit. And so we talked because I laid it out. This is what we did step one, step two, step three. We couldn't test this until there. And if, the other spouse hadn't talked, we were about to pretty much just say, come and pick up your computer. We don't want to deal with you because it is not worth us stressing out over it either because they're not listening. So it's a two way street because, you know, the old saying that the customer is always right is really not true because, (laughs) you know, but you also treat them with respect. That's the other half there is
1: the customer
0: is not always right, but you tell them, and you lay it out, and the decision is in their hands to be a good person also.
1: Yeah. So, Chris, talk a little bit about the goals for your business. I mean, ideally, where do you want to be in five years, say?
0: Five years. Let's see. I only had it planned out for about two to three, but uh, I'm, well, I was to, actually-
1: use two to three. That'll, that'll work, too.
0: So, starting in 2018 in the garage here, I sat down and wrote out a plan up to about 2022. The plan was in 2020 to move out to a retail location, so we were two years ahead of, about a year and a half ahead of schedule on that. And I actually am pretty much almost where I want to be. We were we were hitting the point where we were starting to pay off bills and get ahead, and have a little bit of savings, and from there it would give me some more chance to market it and grow. Ideally, I would like to have myself doing sales and some repair of computers and television antennas, another computer technician, so we're not just waiting on one person for a service call, and one antenna technician and an office person to answer phones and schedule. Five people, and I think I would be right where I want to be, and uh, not to say that I don't want to grow, but I don't want to grow in that way. <laughs> it's it's weird to say. I know where no, I
1: want to No, no, no. There's a lot of business people who feel that way, I think. Yeah.
0: And because I have ran into that with people who grew too fast, who were way too ambitious, or they end up with so much work, they can't spend time with their family. They can't take vacations. They can't do anything like that. It's a lot of pressure.
1: Or in one case, they end up doing all the kind of administrative stuff and not what they really loved, you know, and so they were miserable. You can work out that way sometimes. Yeah, too.
0: exactly. It's the balance between family and work that I wanna do. I'm about to turn forty three later this month and I have an eighteen month old son, so I know I'm not gonna you know, it's a late in life kid and I wanna be able to be there for him and my stepdaughter to be able to be involved in their life so which is a great plus about living three doors down from the office they will sometimes go on jobs with me my my daughter she comes over to the office and she'll strip apart computer she gets a dollar oh, for taking apart great. all the recycling stuff so you know I, I like to keep them involved and i want them to understand because sometimes they're like well why do you have to work i said well I gotta pay for your Disney Plus. I gotta pay for food. You know, we, we do have <laughs> to do it. So they, they under they understand that dad just doesn't go away and come back and there's money mysteriously. They can yeah, see what I'm doing.
1: That's a pretty important life lesson. So Yeah,
0: you know, I wanna be you know, I wanna be there for my family, and that's a very large chunk of how I wanna control the business. So I don't wanna be working too much, I don't wanna be working too little, but you know, it's spinning all those plates.
1: It's a challenge. I, mm-hmm. I hear you. You know, Chris, what advice would you give to others who are maybe starting a business or thinking about starting a business? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there right now, maybe who've been laid off and are wondering maybe this is the time to start something so I don't feel so vulnerable. What advice would you give them looking back? Um,
0: in my industry, because there's some people who know some stuff and you know want to start out on their own. Anyone can slap a magnet on the car and say they're a computer guy. I've seen (laughs) tons of those come and go. I've seen them charge 20 bucks an hour. Don't undersell yourself because someone will always be looking for cheap or free. And if you keep saying and they're like 20 bucks an hour, oh, no, that's I can only do 10. If you give into that, that was one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got from someone was don't undersell yourself. There's a reason. You charge what you do. I charge $80 an hour. And a lot of people go, you know, that's expensive. Well, there's other places that do cheaper. There's other places that do more expensive. But I think for my level of work and my quality of work, that's what I need to sell myself without cheapening myself or my work that I would do for someone. And it still allows the doors to stay open and me to donate and help people. You know, if you want to be... A good business person, don't sell yourself short. I I think that's number one, especially when you're on your own. Your skills, your talents are worth something, and you will have people try and take advantage of you or try and talk you down. Don't I say don't sell yourself. That's I, I think that's number one in there. It was a piece of advice that I just really loved. And same in general with a lot of that is you're not perfect. Give it a try. And the customers aren't perfect. Sometimes in my industry, especially if you're going to something like that, or if you're going into a service industry, it's either going to cost them a lot of money, so they're going to be stressed about it. It's going to, you know, whether you're doing even like tree trimming or lawn mowing or something like that, some sort of service, they're going to have an emergency. I will just step down from being a volunteer firefighter, actually. And one of the things we learned in the fire service to control ourselves because you get excited and you want to go and you want to do all this sort of stuff and to help these people who are in an emergency. You did not create that emergency. It is not your fault. And it's the same way you wanna look into that with a business. They may be excited. They may be afraid. They may be angry. You know, there's so, so many emotions going through. You need to be a level head for them. Don't get swallowed up with it. And, yeah. and then surround yourself with good people, whether it's a bookkeeper, whether it's socialize, get involved in, chambers or professional business associations. Just don't do everything online because some of those people will have your back when it's the hardest. It's a good thing to get into.
1: That's great advice too, Chris. (laughs) So you know what? We haven't talked at all about what we have in common, which is the radio station. Yeah. Uh, You got to spend just a little, we're almost out of time, but you got to tell people about your radio show, when it's on, what it's about, and how you got into that.
0: So, funny enough, my first job where I was at doing the computer repair, I started with Chris. We started the same day together running wires back in there. Chris Zeman, who is one of the, the main computer guy and nerd guy for a lot of the radio stuff, he does all that. So, he was looking for a site to place the antennas. Our house was within the perfect range. And so he put up a tower and he said, hey, you want to be on the board and you want to do all this stuff with radio? And I'd always, for two years now, he had been, if you want to do a show, let me know. You want to do a show, let me know. So now during this, I said, okay, let's pull the trigger. I'm going to try and do something. One of the things that I run, you mentioned at the beginning, is the. Con of the Lakes, which is a gaming convention that we raise money for every year. This is our third year, and we're doing an online version this year due to COVID. We raise money for different charities. First year was Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Second year was for a women children's shelter in Kenosha County. And then this year was going to be for a kidney disease foundation that one of our members have. You know, I'm a big gamer. I've known, I played Dungeons and Dragons since high school. This area actually is very ripe with it because Dungeons & Dragons was invented in Lake Geneva.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the Gygax
0: Gygax family and TSR was here until the mid-90s when they got bought out by Wizards of the Coast and then Mattel and where they are now. But it started in Lake Geneva. So we are in the heart of a lot of gaming. So I decided to start a podcast about role-playing gaming and board gaming. There's plenty of video gaming podcasts and shows and stuff like that out there because those are the people with the equipment to do it. But I figured we're going to have some of my friends come on, talk about gaming, our experiences, news in the gaming and stuff like that. It's Saturdays at 8 p.m. on WLCB here. And we've also now streamed it into a podcasting service, too. So if people all over the world want to listen to it later, uh, it is going live on that. It's called The Broadcaster Spellbook, where we talk about gaming. It's an hour-long show where we delve into, like, the last two episodes were about movies and gaming and how the the media and society looks at stuff like Dungeons & Dragons. So we're trying to get a deep dive into some ideas and... Uh, we're going to have developers on and a couple of the old school guard who's still alive.
1: That's pretty interesting. I, I actually yeah. know somebody who's uh, very big into the board game stuff. Knows a oh. lot of very obscure board game stuff. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, the room where I'm recording, we probably have about 200 board games here. So, wow.
1: Well, you're uh, okay. Well, you may be you may be even more into obscure board games than he is. But uh, so you said that's 8 p.m. on 8- Saturdays.
0: Yep, 8 p.m. on Saturdays here on WLCB.
1: And the show is called what again?
0: Broadcaster's Spellbook. All right,
1: folks. Make sure you try to tune in or catch it streaming live or look for the podcast version of it. One last question, Chris, because we really are almost out of time. How should people reach you? Let's say somebody listens in and they're interested in getting some work done. What's the best way to reach you? the best
0: way most people reach me is through facebook we have a facebook page for our computer company it's called slades corners computer repair and it's both slades and corners have an s at the end and you can either get our phone number off the page or directly message us or give us a call at our office but that's all listed on the facebook page or our website which is i'll say it phonetically because it gets a little confusing it's sam charlie charlie Roger Whiskey S-S-S-R. India. Yeah. Yep, our right. sccrwi.com.
1: Hey, so Chris, I have to say thank you so much for your time. It's really been a pleasure having you as a guest on the show and it's been really great learning a little more about your business and and about you. So, thanks again for being on the show. No problem. Glad to glad to be on. And thanks to all of our listeners. We really appreciate you as well. I hope you've enjoyed Chris Brown's story as much as I did. Now, you can listen to an on-demand recording podcast of today's show, along with other free information and resources for entrepreneurs. You can go to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show page at lakesradio.org or to my consulting website, which is www.globalocityservices.com. Now, be sure to join us next Saturday. When our guest will be Sue Reardon. She's the founder and owner of a company called Sweet Spot. So she spells it Sweet Spot, S U I T E. And the reason is because it's a shared office for small businesses like yours. She'll share the story of how she founded her business, but also some tips on how to best use shared office spaces and when they might be a good fit for your business. So until then, I'm Doris Nagel. Wishing you happy entrepreneuring.